Blog Talk Radio. From the Heart Radio and the founder and CEO of Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, 
a nonprofit dedicated to providing underprivileged children with basic necessities of life. I'm also a board-certified integrated holistic health energy psychology, positive psychology, and energy and vibrational sound therapist with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where From the Heart Radio streams to you live each and every week, bringing you optimistic and uplifting information from very interesting people, people who are making a positive impact in our world. Today, our guest is Dr. Matthew McKay, a clinical psychologist, professor of psychology at the Wright Institute, founder of the Berkeley CBT Clinic, and co-founder of the Bay Area Trauma Recovery Clinic, which serves low-income clients. He is the publisher of New Harbinger Publications, and he has authored and co-authored more than 40 books, including the Relaxations and Stress Reduction Workbook, Seeking Jordan, The Luminous Landscape of the Afterlife, and most recently, Love in the Time of Impermanence, our topic for discussion. So welcome to the show, Dr. McKay. Thank you so much for taking time to be here. It is truly a pleasure to have you join us on From the Heart Radio. How are you being? I am fine. Thanks so much for having me. That's terrific. It's really good to hear you. I know you're out in California, are you not? Yeah, out in California. We're getting a little more rain. (laughs) Just what you need. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You know... The timing of your book, Love in the Time of Impermanence, I'm going to say it couldn't be more critical. We need to learn how to love better. You know, within the last decade, we've seen destruction, distrust, bullying, narcissism, inflated egos, so many uh, horrors, none of which come from the heart or out of love. You know, and we seem not to learn from these displays at all. Rather, there's been an increase in various displays of, of everything Accept love. So I enjoyed your book very, very much because it really, it really digs into this and gets right down to what exactly this is. It's concise, it's easy to read, and it's an easy-to-put-into-practice guide to help us all in stopping the infernal madness, I guess. Your book, again, Love in the Time of Impermanence, speaks to what love is and what love is not with clarity and simplicity. And you describe the many ways that we can easily incorporate love into our lives each and every day. Now, you channeled this book in collaboration with your son, Jason, who passed at the age of 23. So would you share with our listeners how that came about? So when Jordan died, I, you know, I wanted to know what any parent wants to know or anyone who's lost a loved one wants to know is that, does that soul still live? They do, do they still exist? And um, are they okay? And so I really set out on a journey to find him and and find a way to communicate with him where he is. And a uh, long journey that um, culminated in learning how to channel. Late Ralph Messner, who's a, who's a specialist in communication uh, with the afterlife, taught me how to channel, and I began to develop uh, the ability to actually have conversations with Jordan. And so over the last many years, uh, we have had regular conversations. And those conversations have uh, turned into a desire on his part to share a lot of the wisdom that he has. Uh, he's in a place where he can remember hundreds of past lives. Uh, he has the, the wisdom of that we all have when we're discarnates, when we're in the, in the spirit world but that he wants to share with us here. So some of 
the book came definitely from Jordan, uh, and uh, and it incorporates some of his deepest wisdom. And now, was it at his suggestion that the two of you write a book, or had you been thinking about doing this prior to to speaking with him? It was his suggestion, um, and uh, it's a book that I wanted to write, and and he said, well, let me get involved. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> it, really, it it became a collaboration. Um, the book is important to me because, you know, I'm a psychologist. Uh, I've been a couples therapist for 40 years, and I've witnessed so many people losing love, I mean, couples losing love. And um, I wanted to help people um, find it again who are, who are, who are losing it uh, or enhance the love that they have so that it is even deeper and more beautiful. Um, I guess the other thing that motivated me is that, again, it had to do with Jordan. It's like, uh, you know, lost Jordan but still found a way to hold a relationship to him and, and, and helping people realize who are grieving and struggling with a loss that that relationship isn't over, that that love doesn't die, that that love actually continues to exist forever. And that was also an important part of uh, the motivation for the book. Now, a lot of people, yes, they, I mean, I, I would think anybody who lost a child, that's the most horrific thing that can happen to anyone. And that has to be very difficult to, to go through, but I don't know that people believe that they could channel how did you meet the person who taught you this? Did you go out seeking that, or were you drawn to it somehow? Was it like a synchronistic meeting? How did that come about? Well, I knew Ralph Metzner uh, because his son was a friend of my son's. Uh, but huh. he, it, he actually is was uh, a specialist in, in connecting to the other side, you know, the, after, the afterlife, and he was part of the – Timothy Leary group that initially mm-hmm. was using lucinogens to uh, deepen spirituality. And so uh, I consulted him about how I could make contact with Jordan, and he taught me how to channel. It doesn't require any special ability and because I have no special abilities. I'm not clairaudient. I have no mediumship skills. I am um, a very ordinary person in lots of ways. And um, But you Virtually anyone can learn to channel, and I've taught hundreds of people how to do it. So it's something that that really anyone can do. And so, and I, when I'm working with people who are bereaved and struggling with an enormous loss, uh, if they're interested, I will often teach them to channel, and they have uh, frequently very powerful results. Yeah, it's kind of like any other muscle, right? You have to use it and practice with it in order to get good at it and know how to how to access it, like anything else. Right. But that, so the, the channeling and my relation with Jordan was part of this book. Uh, Jordan has contributed to it. Uh, but it's also a book, again, that comes from my heart because I've seen so many people struggle to hold on to love and lose love. Uh, and I, I would like to give them tools uh, to deepen, strengthen, and preserve love. And I think that this book does that. And there's some humor in the book as well. Jordan's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, Jordan is funny. He, he provided all the humor in the book. I didn't. Um, but I mean, I think what we, what, what 
drives this book and is is that you know love in a material world is you know uh, we're just under constant threat of loss. Uh, you know we can lose relationships and we lose what feels like love in all kinds of ways. And and I you know in this planet uh, I think you know we are in a lifelong course in a school of impermanence where we're, we're constantly facing change and and disruption and loss and and how can we continue to love in the face of all of that? How can we lo- continue to love in the face of pain? Uh, there's a lot of pain in this planet in this in this life. Uh, how how can we hold on to love when it's hard? Uh, when it's painful to do so. And, and so that's, you know, a lot of that was what, what motivated the book. And, uh, and you have uh, various chapters on all kinds of different subjects within the book. I mean, religion, the compassion itself, um, knowing, knowing what you don't know, knowing the places and things that you love. There's so many different things in here. And this is a very quick read. It is not a long book at all. And it's a quick read because, because it is fascinating. You know, it's only like, what, 120 pages, if that. And yeah. at the end of a lot of the chapters, I think, or throughout the book, you have these meditations that follow, and they're specific to the topic within the chapter. Some of them are brief and others are longer. But they're all aimed at bringing us into the space of love. So while reading the book, I did find it quite easy to practice the meditations, you know, to try them out. I liked that because in doing so, I think that the reader is able to learn how easy it is to incorporate things into their life when they actually do the things that they're reading in the moment and they can incorporate them into their daily routine because they don't take up a lot of time. And that's important to note because I know many people don't feel they either have time to meditate or they'll say they either don't know how or cannot learn to meditate. But some are so brief that you can actually do them at a red light or while you're standing in line, nobody knows that you're, you're taking that moment. And it doesn't take more than but a moment to get yourself into that space. And, of course, again, the more you practice, the more you want to practice, and there's a noticeable shift in the space into getting into that place of love. And I don't know anybody who doesn't, you know, welcome that feeling or doesn't want to experience more of it. So kudos on the meditations. You do make it easy for the reader. Now, were those meditations things that you got from Jordan, or were they meditations you had heard about? Did you write some of them yourself? Uh, well, actually, it's a combination. Uh, some of those meditations are, you know, have been around for you, like Tonglen meditations uh, and compassion meditations uh, are, you know, been around for years. Um, uh, some of the meditations I wrote, some of the meditations Jordan wrote. Um, so, you know, the, there's, you know, probably at least a dozen special meditations in the book that um, are, you know, each designed to do something um, to enhance or, or protect love. And, and there's one that if you're interested, we might all do together. It's a brief meditation on, on, on bringing love into your, into your daily life. Um, that is just a couple of minutes at most. Um, That's great. Sure. We would love that. Yeah. I think one of the things I, I wanted to do is is be clear about what love isn't, because I think we get very confused. Uh, you know, we think that love is an emotion. We think um, maybe it's just a, a need or a desire. Uh, maybe love is self-sacrifice, giving up 
the self for some something else, or maybe love is dependent. Like you really depend on somebody, and yet you you and that's what love is. And and it, it really is none of those things. And in particular, the confusion that love is a feeling, an emotion. Uh, I think has really. Um, I think it makes it very hard for people to to enact love because they think, well, I, 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 it's natural. When I feel love, I'll act on love. Uh, so, so if the feeling is there, I can be, I can be loving. If the feeling isn't there, then I can't be loving. I can't, that's not possible. And what Jordan is saying, and what I, I think we, we said together is that love isn't a feeling. Uh, it's not a need. Um, it is action. It's something you do. And, um, and so love is behavior. And uh, and you don't have to wait to feel love to be love and to enact love. Uh, so I think that was for me is a very important part of my learning. And I have now I now recognize that love is in action, not in in emotion. Yeah, I, I I believe that we are made of love. We come from love, and so we we are indeed beings of love. And I think we come in that way, and then we get messed up once we're here. <laughs> you know, everybody messes it up. But I really believe yeah. that love is easy. And I know a lot of people think that that sounds crazy, but I do. I believe love is easy. And I've been told, no, T, love is hard. But I don't think when people say that, that they're speaking about love per se. I think they're speaking about the issues that arise within relationships and the difficulty in handling those issues. And to me, there's a significant difference. You know, I, I believe love is a choice and we can make that choice in every moment and every encounter. So, you know, am I coming from my heart or not? The question is rather straightforward. And I know that for myself, when I ask that question, I know right away, yes or no, heart or ego. And what I choose to do next determines what I put out into the world you know, not just for myself, but for everybody else as well. So while I do attempt to be aware so I can ensure I'm coming from my heart, I don't always, I do not always make the choice to come from my heart. So I think your book, Love in the Time of Impermanence, clearly explains what love is because it's not speaking about romantic love, which is what I think most people do believe it is. They believe, like you said, it's a feeling. And to me, I think your book is speaking more about universal love. Is that fair to say? Yes, and it's, and exactly what you said I, I, seems so right to me, that love is a choice, and it's an intention to come from the heart. Yes. I mean, it, 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 and that intention, I, I agree really very strongly, is something that we can decide in a moment, and, it, and, it, and it's not necessarily a hard decision. And that intention runs into obstacles. I mean, uh, I'm just trying to, for example, let's consider a mom who's had a bad day at work. Her boss yelled at her. She's worried about her job. She's exhausted. She's um, in a in a uh, maybe a, not only a state of anxiety but a lot of sadness. And her child has had uh, uh, some disruption, emotional disruption, struggling with homework, all kinds of things going on. And lo- loving that child is is action. It's it's a choice. It's behavior. And, but she has to do it in the face of some pain, in the face of the mm-hmm. tiredness, in the face of the sadness, perhaps, or the anxiety about work. So, some, some, so the, while, while that is a choice that is some, on some level very easily made, 
in the face of all of the obstacles we run into on Earth, it becomes something that we have to do uh, in the face of, of some painful things. And uh, so, I, so I'm, I'm, I'm really with you on that, that, that it's a choice and that it, it's something that we can actually make in a moment, that choice. Uh, mm-hmm. But sometimes we have to face headwinds. Yes. And you know, I think that the only thing I'm going to disagree with you on is when you said it's not a hard decision. You know what, Dr. McKay, sometimes it's a wicked hard decision. <laughs> it's like really hard because you know you're standing there thinking, I have to come from a place of love. And you kind of don't want to. At least I don't, you know, I'm just fessing up. You know, I don't want to come from a place of love. I want to just pounce on the person. But then you make the decision. But it doesn't make it an easy decision, not for me. <laughs> Well, you're right. What I meant was the intention to love can be easy. I mean, on some level, yeah. I, I want to be, I want to be loved. I want, I want to, I want to enact love. That intention is something we can, we can have, we can reach that intention in a moment. But then, in all of these everyday moments of life, it becomes a decision that actually can be very hard. I mean, another example would be your your partner says something really kind of critical, like there's something missing in the relationship. There's something, so there's something they need from you. You're not, you're not giving. And the first thing that comes up is a lot of shame, uh, and 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 the, the, there's a there's an impulse to run away from that, to get mad, or to or just withdraw, or do something to protect yourself from the shame. But the intention to act on love then would require uh, being curious, being interested, uh, exploring, uh, trying to discover what's going on with your partner. So so that would be a very active way of loving. But it has it runs into the headwind of the shame and the impulse to withdraw and get mad. And that's kind of built into us. I mean, we are built to, you know, fight, flight, or freeze, right? It's it's a form yeah. of protection. And it's extremely yeah. difficult sometimes in those moments when you feel under attack because you know, sometimes you have a variety of scenarios that, that you mentioned that, you know, they can be some make you feel abandoned, unloved cast aside, rejected, taken for granted, hurt, angry, whatever it is. And I think that's where, you know, it's difficult when somebody is spewing hatred or hurting us, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, where that love is difficult to to try to give to them because you are in fight, flight, or freeze mode. So in that moment, when you feel under attack, to love someone or the situation is difficult. It isn't until later that we can look back and get a, get to a place of love if we choose to, but that's because we have time to reflect. So how do we, in those situations, in that moment, as they are occurring, how can we quell the reaction? So we're able to come to see and actually feel the love for the person. Because sometimes I just stand there and I keep thinking to myself, God bless this person, God bless this person, God bless this person. And I'm not thinking or listening to what they're saying because I don't want to go into fight, flight, or freeze. I'm trying to just stay neutral, which is hard. But how? what's the best way? What tips do you have for that? Well, I think that, um, first of all, it's important to learn how to recognize uh, what we call moments of choice. Uh, you know, our our life is not, you know, made up of big choices so much as like, what's my career going to be? Where am I going to live? It's every day there are dozens of choices that we make, uh, and and they end up defining our life and actually de- determining whether whether we bring love into our life or not. And so 
a moment of choice is, is usually one of three things. It's a moment when you have an emotion. An emotion is somehow arisen inside of you. Or another situation is where you have desire. There's something that you are actively wanting. And another situation is where, where you're in pain. These three situations, emotion, desire, pain, uh, are, are usually present when there's a moment of choice, where we, we actually have a choice as to how we're going to respond. And, and so, first of all, just learning to notice moments of choice, learning, learning to notice, oh, this is one of those times when I could respond with love or I could respond with avoidance, you know, avoiding the emotion, avoiding the pain, avoiding or, or just seeking the desire. So I can, I can act on, you know, on the drives that the emotions create, the desires create, that pain creates, or I can act on love. And so moments of choice, learning to recognize that is probably the most essential thing we can do uh, if we're going to bring love into every moment of our life and all of those moments of choice. And there's a little meditation that actually helps prepare people for doing that. It's called the morning intention meditation. It's really a little brief meditation to help people recognize and focus on those moments of choice, see them when they arise, and, and, then, and then commit and form the full intention to act on love at that moment. And that's something that, well, they can certainly read it in the book um, and see how it is that they can do that because there are just so many uh, meditations in there. There's a morning gratitude intention as well that I love um, in your book. And, yeah, I think that, well, and coupled with that, let me go to that. Gratitude, compassion, uh, forgiveness, these are all forms of love, even though, some of them can cause pain because we have to go through pain in order to get to forgiveness, right? Otherwise, there's nothing to forgive. You had to feel that pain. So I think for those, those instances where we do have to come through the pain to get there, it's more difficult because you need more time. You can't just do it in a second. Or do you think that you can, that you can be able to do that meditation and get quicker to those spaces of love? I think if you do that meditation every morning, uh, it helps you recognize those moments of choice and hold the intention to act on love at those difficult moments. Uh, I think that that particular meditation, uh, I use it a lot. I uh, help people uh, develop it uh, and, and use it. And it seems to make the most difference uh, to start each day with that intention. Um, but you, But part of yeah, so starting with, the, you know, and, and if you want, we can do the meditation right now or we or describe how to do it one, one way or the other. Well, why don't we do the intention right now and then we'll take our soji break. So we'll do the intention right now. That would work. What do you think? Is that okay? I would I'd be delighted. Um, Terrific. So, Let's do that. Yeah. So what I encourage everyone to do is just close their eyes for a moment and bring your attention down into your diaphragm, into your belly, which is the source of breath, the source of life. And just begin to attend to your breath. Just notice your breath. And on each in-breath, say to yourself, in. On each out-breath, say to yourself, out. Just noticing the breath in and out. And when thoughts arise, as they always do, just noting the thought and gently bringing your attention back to your breath, back to the in, 
and out of your breath. Watching the breath. As thoughts arise, gently bringing your attention back to the in and the out of your breath. And now, begin to just be aware of your day tomorrow, the day that you'll live tomorrow. That day will be full of moments of choice, moments when you have emotion or desire or pain of some kind, just moments of choice all throughout the day. And you can say to yourself, tomorrow, at the moment of choice, I am love. Tomorrow, at the moment of choice, I am love. Just repeating that intention to yourself. Repeating the deep commitment and intention to be loved at every moment of choice tomorrow. Tomorrow, at every moment of choice, I am love. Just repeat the attention, attention one more time. Yourself. And now take another breath. And when you're ready, open your eyes. And the meditation is over. That is a great meditation. It reminds me of yoga meditations and different forms of breathing that we do in yoga. But I like it because the intention that's set, you're actually programming yourself one day at a time. Yeah. It's really cool to do that. (laughs) That that was a great meditation. I I like that one an awful lot. And the thing is, when you're reading the book, you need to read the meditation to go through it to see what you need to do because you can't read it with your eyes closed, you know, and do it at the same time. You kind of have to read it and get it in your head. And the more, uh, unless you wanted to record it, which could be good too, if you're just starting out in meditation, but that is a really good one to set the tone for the day. And really yeah. program it, especially if, if it's before you go to sleep. Your brain will take that in. It will literally program you to, to just, you won't even know why you're, you're taking a moment. It's always okay to take a breath. But you won't even know why you're taking a breath to, and you'll somehow within, you'll hear your, your brain will program that, you know, tomorrow, <laughs> in every choice, I'm going to come from place to love. Yeah, it's a really, I like that one an awful lot. That was a great one to do. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> It is a great okay, meditation. So it is. It really is. So right now we're going to take what's known as our Soji Share. We're sharing stories about kids from all over the planet who are not just filled with hope, but they're motivated. They're creative. They're focused and passionate, and they want to make a difference in the world. And our goal at SojiKids.org is to spread joy, hence our name Soji, which is an acronym for sharing our joy intentionally. And this week, our Soji share is an 11-year-old Wisconsin boy known as the crocheting prodigy. His name is Jonah Larson. And when Jonah was five years old, yes, that's right, five, he taught himself how to crochet by watching YouTube videos. And 
first he had to learn how to access YouTube. So, you know, five years old, I guess you can do that. I, I can't even do it, but he can. Find the videos and then follow along. That in itself is astounding. Now, at age 11, however, from that, he runs a full-fledged crocheting business out of his house. And his business is Instagram-based. He makes, um, he takes custom orders and has over 46,000 followers. And he's certainly impressive and incredibly talented artist. But he's also very generous because he routinely donates his work and his profits to the Ethiopian orphanage where he was adopted as an infant. He just has not forgotten his roots. He gives back from his heart. And we from the Heart Radio applaud him for all that he is doing to help the children of that orphanage. You know, here we have an amazing little boy who took it upon himself to help the kids in the orphanage he was in. He didn't forget. He's helping in a big way. He's compassionate, caring, kind, and generous. And he's really coming from his heart from a very early age. This is the good stuff that's happening in our world. And our children are coming up with these ideas on their own. And this is also the good stuff that Soji focuses on and chooses to share with our audience each and every week. We're focusing on the good in the world, stories like this, positive, impactful, life-changing. And this is just one example of how kids are making our world better and more joyful, not just for themselves, but for everybody. And young children have creative minds and imaginative reach, enabling them to be successful. Their age allows them to ignore any limitations and see with a pure heart. And, you know, sometime, somehow we lose this as we grow up. But children have it, and we need to help them nurture it, and we need to take note and learn from them. They unknowingly have much to teach us. They don't think of themselves as limited at all. The things children start are absolutely unique in their approach and serve as an inspiration for everyone. So kudos to this week's Soji Share, Jonah Larson. I'm, I'm thrilled to have him be our Soji Share for the week. Okay, so let's get back to Dr. McKay, author of Love in the Time of Impermanence. As I said, Dr. McKay, that was a great meditation to do, to really set the tone for the day and do it the night before so that your brain has time to really set it in place, I guess, and program it. Um, you have many, many uh, meditations in the book. And as I said, that wasn't long. What was that, like two minutes maybe, maybe three? I don't even think it was that long. Yeah, very so, brief. Yeah. yeah, and you can do it. You could do that standing in line with your eyes open. You don't have to close your eyes. And even something as simple as being at a red light and just taking a few deep breaths and concentrating on the inhale and the exhale, the inhale and the exhale, while the light is red until it turns green, will calm you down and allow you to be in that space of, of a higher bright vibration that you're putting out to everyone and be in, in a space of love within yourself so that you put that out into the world. So yeah, there could, are so many. You could, you could, yeah, exactly. You could stand anywhere, take a couple of deep breaths, and say, I am love, and that reignites the programming uh, and, and reminds you uh, that you are love at every moment of choice. And you, you can just use that phrase uh, uh, after you've done the meditation, and it, and it will reignite uh, the intention from the meditation. Yeah, yeah it Public. helps. So really, it truly does change the neural pathways of the brain. We can do that easily. Mm -hmm. We just don't. We don't think that we can so we don't do it but every time you do something positive it erases something negative and it creates a new pathway you can literally see this on an MRI you know you can see the pathways being formed and you can see those other ones being taken away as a new one comes into play so that's a really cool thing to do now has Jordan ever 
said anything to you about what it is that is the most impactful thing that humanity can do at this point in time, given all that's going on on the planet? Is this it, to, to just be love? Yes. Uh, but the, the thing that stands in the, in the way of love and the thing that really uh, causes love to be lost so often is judgment, you know, uh, these good, bad judgments, you know, and, 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 and with it, tribalism. You know, our, my tribe is good. That tribe over there, they're bad. They're, they, uh, they, they don't deserve anything. Um, and, and, and this idea that people are good or bad um, and, and that my group is good and that, that group over there is bad uh, is really what is mostly destroying love. It destroys love with, with partners. They begin to judge each other, and the judgment poisons and and diminishes to love, um, and so judgment and tribalism are what what primarily stand in the way of love, and and learning how to love everything, even things we don't like, even things that uh, we on some level want to want to push away from us, but learning to love everything is really uh, crucial to overcoming. Uh, judgment and, and tribalistic thinking. So, I mean, that, that, that's really, you know, the, I think the, the main thing that's the, the standing in the way of love. In order to develop love, I mean, it, it, there's a process that I guess we're recommending, you know, that um, love is made of, of, of four things. It, it may, it first, first is caring, just caring about the well-being of that other just caring about their, you know, that they that they be okay, uh, and that mattering. The second thing is knowing knowing the other, knowing knowing what they feel, what they fear, what they struggle with, um, what they what they want and hope for, uh, to, and to, and not only to know them at just a frozen moment in time, but know them as they change and evolve. So this continue continuous commitment to know. Uh, to see the other is, is a second piece of love that, that I think is, is really important. And, 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 and sometimes that's another way that people lose love is they stop paying attention to each other. They stop seeing each other. Um, the third one is compassion. To recognize the pain, um, you know, and, and, and just also the damage and the hurt that everyone experiences and, and, and have compassion for that. To, to see it and have compassion for it, and also to have compassion for ourselves. Loving ourselves is having compassion for our own pain and our own struggle. Um, and then the last thing is intention, turning all of that into action, turning care, knowledge, uh, and, and, and compassion into action. And, um, and that's where that morning intention comes in is, is, is the commitment to turn love into action every day at every moment of choice. And so love is, is again, it's an it's active process. It's actual behavior. It's not a feeling. Uh, and it stands in opposition to judgment, to, to good, bad ideas. It, it includes, it, it welcomes, it holds its arms open through caring, knowing, compassion, and the intention to engage with love. So those are the, the, the elements 
that we can build into our life every day uh, to make love deeper and richer and stronger. And I think probably the most difficult or challenging part is that sometimes when things happen, because someone has done something, we feel attacked by the person or they've taken something away or being ignored, taken for granted, whatever it is, it's difficult to 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 look at that and give love to it mm-hmm. because yeah. it's happening to us. But the the love can come out of the fact that okay, I'm learning something here. There's a lesson in this, and I need to grow from it. And every time we grow from the lessons that we learn, we're gaining more on the love scale, if you will. We're, we're pulling ourselves in closer to, to being more, you know, I got more points for love here now because now I get it. And you probably won't repeat it because once you really do get it, you will start practicing in that manner. You will start living that way more with more awareness, I guess, so that you won't repeat the yeah. instance again. Yeah. Well, that makes I sense, mean, right? In, in every, it does make total sense. In every relationship, inevitably we get, we get disappointed. And, uh-huh. and if something happens, something changes, the person responds in a way that doesn't feel good. In every relationship, inevitably there's some disappointment. And, and there's two ways of responding to that. One way is to respond with judgment. Oh, that's bad, or they did something bad, or why are they like that? Something's wrong with them. So, so one way of dealing with disappointment and, 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 and painful things that happen in our relationships is to judge and push away. The other response is love. How, would I, how could I love this person who just disappointed me? Uh, well, I could, I could still care about their well-being. I could try to understand what's going on with them, you know, what, what's happening inside them. That, that led them to do this disappointing thing. Um, and I could have compassion for the pain that they're in that may have led them to do a disappointing thing. And I can use intention that how, how can I actively love? What, how could I bring love into this moment between us? How could I do that? So, so you know, there's this choice. When, when the inevitable disappointments arise in every relationship, go to judgment and make good, bad evaluations. Uh, push the person away on some level emotionally or ask, how can I love them in the face of this disappointment? You know, this is stuff that needs to be taught in schools to our children, you know, schools, high schools, colleges, whatever, because I don't think that social media helps at all. Kids are online all the time looking at nobody really knows what they're looking at, but our suicide rates have increased dramatically over the past decade and you can you can see that there's so much judging going on on social media i mean when you look at statistics and realize that children at the age of three already are body conscious that's disgusting Mm. that's beyond disgusting they already know fat's not good you can't be fat i have to be skinny oh my god these are three-year-olds you know so between the age of three and five they're learning about body consciousness and and not in a good way, not in, you know, just be healthy and, and don't make fun of people or anything. They're learning so much through social media. I think that's helping to destroy the ability for people to see love, not be judgmental, not compare, not bully. You know, that, that plays into this in a big way. Does Jordan ever speak to social media and how it's impacting our life and destroying what it is 
that we could be doing better? Well, uh, he's not a fan, but uh, social media. But but the thing is that we don't need Jordan's wisdom on this. We have uh, some important research on social media and depression. The more time people spend on social media, the the more likely to be depressed they become. Uh, So there's Uh a very strong relationship with time spent on social media and depression. And the reason, I think, is exactly what you said, that – Social media teaches us to judge. It teaches us to judge ourselves and others, uh, to be to be rejecting, and you know you don't come up to my standards of what I expect, uh, and reject ourselves, our bodies, uh, our 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 way of being in the world. Lots of judgment about ourselves. So so depression and and anger actually uh, is, yeah. are are very strong outcomes of social media ingestion. Yeah, it's really it's it's a it's a tough one, you know. It's a tough one to try to to get past. It's um, you, you can't you can't go back, you know. Sometimes you can't unring the bell. Well, you never can unring the bell, but you know, the social media bell has been <laughs> rung, and now we're look, looking down the face of AI, which is not much better, you know. Uh, one of the yeah. things that I found fascinating in your book is that you wrote about the afterlife and how it's different from this material world that forces us to respond to constant change with discovery and loss. And it rewards us with profound lessons. And I just found that really fascinating. So I wanted to know if you would elaborate on that a bit. Well, thank you for actually bringing that up. I, the, the, of course, in this material world, we live with the permanence. Everything changes. Everything shifts. Everything, things decay. Things fall apart. Uh, as uh, Yeats told us in his poem. And and yet, the afterlife is the exact opposite. The act, in the afterlife, um, there is no loss. Uh, the, the love that we have lasts forever. And so, even for example, even though we have you know lost someone dear to us, they're in the afterlife. The relationship can continue, and the love can continue. And the and and so that in some ways, the afterlife is this mirror opposite where. The, where the love is, is is deeply, deeply, deeply permanent. It is never lost. And just just knowing that 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 once love forms, it it won't go away. The the love will continue past death. Nothing can take it away. Death has no dominion over love. Um, so that's the, that's sort of the the great lesson I think for me too that. Um, that we can we can recapture the love that seemed to be lost in death uh, and find it again, and and the relationships can go on. Now, Jordan is speaking to you, and you're speaking to him. Is he speaking with other people on the other side? I can use that term that he has known, either family members or friends who have passed as well. Yes, he's. I mean, he has relationships. He has a pretty strong relationship to my mother, for example, uh, and um, on the other side. But I, but he has uh-huh. many relationships on the other side. Uh, you know, we all have soul groups uh, that are very we're very deeply connected to uh, in the afterlife, um, and he has many many people he's connected through love with in the afterlife. He also connects uh, to people here. 
and continues not just to be, but he continues to connect to other people here, uh, and in some cases to guide them and support them and watch over them. And so, and what's interesting to me sometimes is he'll show up for my clients, uh, and <laughs> you know, and so and they will hear from him in various ways, uh, and that I'm that I'm surprised about. Uh, you know, you know, clients call me up and say, you know. I, I just had this dream where Jordan appeared and had all this to say to me. Um, and, uh, and so it's, um, so he is, he's very involved in this, in this life, in this world. He's wanting to support and help people find love. And so that's, that's a very, and I, I think that's um, a mission that he has and that he, I think uses me to some extent to be able to advance that mission. Well, it's you know he's treating every day like it's bring your kid to work day. <laughs> <laughs> he's helping you out. You know, I'm gonna help my dad. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I think it's I'm great. very grateful. I'm, I, yes. I'm seeing him. I'm grateful every day that he continues to be part of my life and that he he gives you know that he gives me uh, lets me share in these missions with him. So it's to me it's it's a really beautiful thing. Very, very now, glad. does he ever speak? Does he ever speak about past lives or reincarnation? Sure. Yeah, a lot. A lot. Okay. Okay. A lot so, okay. So, so this is going to bring me to probably the final question. Okay. So in your book, you said that each incarnation is, and we spoke about this a little bit earlier, is a lifelong lesson in the school of impermanence. And with our death comes the remembrance that we and all that we love are eternal. So, does that mean that while we are here in this material world, we are meant to learn that we and all that we love are eternal? And if so, why? If it's known in the afterlife and the afterlife is our spirit life and we are reincarnated or, or have many lives from that, what's the point of incarnating to learn something we already know that <laughs> – when we choose to become human, we opt to forget just to try to learn it all over again. Why make the journey to the material world at all? Yeah, that's such a great observation question. So, yeah, so as as you know, we, we go through this forgetting process, this amnesia. We show up here from, from the spirit world. We incarnate, and we can't remember a damn thing. And, right. Um, <laughs> and, but that's necessary because think about this. If we came here and we had all of the knowledge of our previous lives, uh, we wouldn't take this very seriously. You know, this right. is like, you know, it, so, but, but we have to take it seriously in order to learn the lessons here. We have to ex- experience what loss feels like um, to learn the lessons of how, how, how can I love in the face of all this loss, in the face of this impermanence, in the face of this pain. From our example earlier, how can I learn to love when I feel sometimes ashamed, when my partner is unhappy with me, uh, when I feel like a failure? How can I continue to love in the face of all that? Those are lessons that we can only learn here. We can't learn those lessons in the afterlife. Love is effortless in the afterlife. It's the medium in which all communication takes place. The afterlife is, is, is essentially composed of love. It's almost like the atoms that make up the afterlife are, are love. So, so actually we come here to learn how to love in the face of pain and difficulty and obstacles. And that's a lot of our work. And we have to kind of forget uh, what the afterlife is and, and, and some of the things we've learned there 
because um, we wouldn't take these lessons seriously and we wouldn't learn them. If somebody dies, say, oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll see them a little later. No big deal. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's oh, yeah. like, it's, so we have to actually feel the impermanence and struggle with it in order for these lessons to get learned. But why do we have to learn them in the first place? I mean, obviously, we're not learning them if we have to keep coming back like life after life after life. If it's so good on the other side, why not just say, nah, I think I'm done. I'd like to just call it a day. I learned it all. I'm happy here. I know it. Why do I have to go back there where it's so hard? Because it is hard. Life is hard. And Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Well, this is what George says. I'll just pass it on for whatever it okay. may be worth. You know, he says that, you know, all, you know, collective consciousness, God, whatever you want to call it, uh, divides mm-hmm. into small units of consciousness, that's us, uh, to go into physical worlds in order to learn. And God is continuing to evolve. God isn't perfect or all or, you know, whatever we want to call it. It's not perfect. It's evolving just like we are. And we are helping God evolve. Everything we learn in all of our struggles and facing all of the difficulties uh, add to the total knowledge and awareness of all of collective consciousness. So we're, we're coming here to learn stuff that ultimately gets uploaded and part of all of consciousness. That's our work is learning. And we come here to this, in these difficult planets to learn important lessons that then strengthen and, and help God essentially evolve because we're all part of God. And so we're helping God evolve. God is growing, learning, and evolving because of our work, our, our, our work incarnating and struggling and learning in the, on these planets. So that is his answer to the question. That's our purpose. That's the, the, function, the purpose of our living, our existing is to learn and to upload all of that to God. And that makes sense because when people say, you know, I'm not God, I can't do this, that, or the other thing, I, I oftentimes have said to people, you're not God, but you are a piece of God. You know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because we are. We, we are all. So we're part of the collective whole. So when people say, well, you know, I want to do this for myself, and I don't, you know, they're doing something that may seem selfish. If you're doing something for the collective whole, you're part of that. So therefore, you know, that's coming from love. But if you're doing something solely for your own gain, it's not necessarily coming from a place of love. As long as it's not mm-hmm. detrimental to anyone else, it's okay. But once it starts becoming detrimental to others, then it's not really from that place of love. So I get what you're saying. Yeah, in order to build this and expand more, expand the love energy more, we have to do that. It's just sometimes, you know, I do ask the question, when am I going to get this? When am I going to learn? <laughs> How many times do I have to come back? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a lot to learn. Uh, I mean, when yeah. you think about it, any individual life, I mean, think of all the things that each of us individually have learned in our particular life. And then you, and then you multiply that. We may, we may come back for hundreds of lives. And, and all the things we can learn facing all those different circumstances in all those different lives, and all of that is important and gets uploaded and becomes part of the total consciousness of all of all of us of God, and so it, we, this is an incredibly important mission we're on. Um, yeah. You know, when you think about it, you know, like why do we come here? Why do we face all this pain? Why do we have to struggle? What's all this about? Well, it's about learning. It's about learning. Yeah, and I'm an avid learner. I'm a lifelong learner. I love to read and learn and stuff. But still, sometimes I think, wow, really. <laughs> I have to make light of it or else I'll cry. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now, you still collaborate with or you still are in 
in communication with Jordan all the time, and you will be, you know, forever. Are there yeah. any new books in the works with him? Yeah, uh, there's um, uh, another book that's actually coming out in a while. So lessons from the afterlife, um, oh. and then. And he's working on something now with me that he calls soul freedom, how to, how to increase your freedom uh, uh, to choose uh, and, to, and, and what is freedom and how do, how do, we, how do, how do we maximize uh, freedom uh, as for, for each soul. So, it's, um, yeah, so he's, he seems to always want to work on something, which I'm grateful for. And, I mean, oftentimes you'll just on some level you'll just say, okay, here's, here's, what, here's what we're going to do now. And then he'll outline the whole book in the space of about five minutes. I'll outline the whole damn book. And then we just start working through the outline, and he, he you know, I'll channel uh, whatever he has to say about each each part of the book. Um, so, yeah, he, he seems to – oh, I have some – apparently, at least at this moment, an unlimited supply of, of, of interesting ideas and, and, and desire to bring them, you know, to uh, incarnate folks. So. This is great. It's a family business, you know? Yeah. McKay yeah. and Sons, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it's a really cool thing that you're doing with him. I think it's wonderful. And unfortunately, we're almost out of time, Dr. McKay. But before we go, would you please tell our listeners how they may learn more about you, your work, and where they can purchase your book, Love in the Time of Impermanence, and all your other books as well? Well, they can get the book on, on Amazon, of course, and um, – the, there's a website at uh, www.seekingjordan.com. You can learn more about Jordan and some, some things he has to say uh, about um, about our place in the universe. And, um, yes, yeah, so if you want to learn a little more, you could go to that website. Oh, gosh. Well, thank you so much for being here. It was a delight. It was fun. It went very quickly. <laughs> and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us on From the Heart Radio. Thank you so much, Dr. McKay. Thank you so much. Take care. You too. Okay, listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on From the Heart Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a most challenging and constantly changing world. That's why I have the guests that I do, to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we're meant to live productively, healthfully, and purposefully. And this is where you find the tools to do just that. So please be sure to send the link to this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they may learn and grow and make the world a better place for all. Please also check out Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, where every dollar of every donation directly supports children in need, 100%. We're run solely by volunteers, so there aren't any salaries, stipends, overhead, compensation of any kind to anyone. Every penny goes toward underprivileged children, and right now we're helping subsidize the cost of mental health sessions for children who might not otherwise receive this much-needed therapy. You know, if you don't have strong mental health, you cannot learn or live well at all. It is vitally important, and all children deserve a fair chance for a good life. That starts with mental health. So please feel free to go to SojiKids.org, S-O-J-I-K-I-D-S, Org. At Soji Huggles, we are investing in a brighter tomorrow by giving them a better today. Please follow us on Twitter at Soji Huggles. And while you're in your social media accounts, please be sure to like us on Facebook, Soji Huggles Children's Foundation. And we're going to leave you with our From the Heart Radio spot for the week. It is from Dr. Matthew McKay's son, Jordan McKay. At once, you are yourself and everything you behold. You are both separate and one. From your small spot in the universe, you can watch everything, join and know everything, 
and feel the essence, the nature, and the light of everything, which is exactly what love is. I am your host, T. Love, here at From the Heart Radio, intending you and yours a most enjoyable week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well.